Welcome to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast, where we talk a little bit about a lot of things that deal with the Iowa Cubs and minor league baseball. Make sure to check for new podcasts every week. For this podcast, we'll talk about the Iowa Cubs citizenship naturalization ceremony, how it started, and how it has become one of the best things the Iowa Cubs do each year and one of the best things any minor league baseball team does. My name is Scott Saylor, and I will be your host for this podcast. Our guests today are the Honorable Judge Robert Pratt and Iowa Cubs principal owner Michael Gartner. Judge Robert Pratt is a federal judge for the United States District Court for the Southern District of Iowa. He joined the court in 1997 and in 2012 assumed senior status after serving for 15 years. He was born in Emmitsburg and graduated from Iowa Lakes Community College, Loris College, and the Creighton University School of Law. Michael Gartner is a lifelong journalist, having been page one editor of the Wall Street Journal, editor and president of the Des Moines Register, and president of NBC News. He won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial writing in 1997. He is a graduate of highly regarded Carleton College and the New York University School of Law. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get started, I want to give our listeners a brief history of the event. The first citizenship ceremony at Principal Park was held in September 2009. Since then, it has moved to the July 4th holiday game, and 396 citizens have been welcomed during on-field ceremonies over the years. Last year was unusual as the Iowa Cubs season was canceled because of the pandemic, but a socially distant ceremony was held on Constitution Day last September. This year's ceremony is back to normal and set for Tuesday, July 6th, before the Iowa Cubs and St. Paul Saints play. So with that background, let's start at the beginning. How did this idea start? I think uh, it started one day, the judge and I were having lunch, uh, probably at the late lamented Cub Club, and uh, he raised the issue. said, you know, would you ever consider swearing in, he swears in citizens all the time at the courthouse and elsewhere. And he said, I think it'd be neat to do at the ballpark. What do you think? And I thought about it for about a second and a half and said, yeah, that's, that's, that's a great idea. So we did. And it was, as you said, in September. And as we, we were walking off the field, I turned to him and I said, next year, the 4th of July. Judge? Uh, Michael's uh, recollection is correct. I like to think that some of this was my idea, but I'm fortunate because the third branch of government, the judiciary, is well-financed, and each year I was putting together the history of this for preparation today. I attended, I became the chief judge, as you pointed out, Scott, in 06, and I was lucky enough to attend chief judge's meeting. It happens once a year in the spring at the Federal Judicial Center at the Thurgood Marshall Building in Washington. And I learn a lot from my fellow chief judges and, and uh, others who come. Jerry Rosen, Judge Rosen was the chief judge of the Eastern District of Michigan. In 2008, you know, I you shouldn't claim credit for things you haven't done. <laughs> judge Rosen swore in Nelson Polanco, the second baseman of the Detroit Tigers. And I just thought after that, uh, and he told me what how emotional it was for 
uh, Nelson Polanco and his family uh, and the supporters and what it meant. I can't recall how many people were there. I'm sure you could find this somewhere. But at any rate, I think it was shortly thereafter I was having lunch with Michael um, at the ball club as he recited, and um, he and I talked about what kind of a uh, community uh, educational uh, idea this could be uh, for numerous reasons that I'm sure we're going to get into in a moment. How has the ceremony evolved and has its popularity and success surprised either of you guys? First of all, the it would be a moving ceremony no matter who was swearing the people in, but Judge Pratt's speech, which is a short speech, is so is so moving. I swear there's not a dry eye in the house uh, when he when he does that. And so, while while it's a fantastic day in a lot of respects, that 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 speech just adds uh, uh, immensely uh, to one one thing. I should note before we go in any further. You know the ballpark has kind of a history of, uh, of uh, association with the law and democracy and everything. The, down in the concourse on the third base side, almost since the day we bought it, there's been a large copy of the First Amendment hanging there. And it's uh, somebody said, why do you do that? And I said, well, first of all, because my partner, Mike Judas, says he's a First Amendment lawyer. And I'm always trying to make him happy, but uh, the real the real reason was, I, I said and and half jokingly but true, if you're going to yell kill the umpire, you ought to know why you can why you can yell it. Uh, so we put it up there, and it's it's quite uh, it's quite uh, uh, fascinating and wonderful to see a mom or dad and a young uh, boy or girl and have them looking up and reading it and explaining to their uh, five-year-old or six-year-old what that is. So, so the citizenship ceremony fits, fits in with that. Judge? Well, I think, the uh, again, the origin of the speech is really uh, my predecessor, uh, Judge Harold Viator, who's now passed away. But when I came to the district court, uh, Judge Viator's speech was there. Much of the speech that I recite it would be inappropriate for me to claim credit. It stems from Judge Viator's very hard work on it. Judge Viator was appointed the district court in 79 by President Carter. And I think there's a number of versions of the speech. One of my favorite versions <laughs> happens to include a, a quote from A. Bartlett Jumati. And if anyone is familiar with, he was the commissioner of baseball. And uh, an intellect, a huge Boston Red Sox fan, and just I think you could fairly say without giving him too much credit, he was a quote-unquote public intellectual. And the quote that Judge Viator uh, had in the original speech that I sometimes use is discussing the legitimacy of differences. And this was the reaction to the, if you will, the politics of the country in the late 70s and early 80s when we were uh, uh, having um, the conservative movement in the country take over. And there was a, this was a reaction, I think it's fair to say, uh, to the moral majority. And 
really when you look at the speech, it's a libertarian speech. It appeals to people's independence in the sense that you can be in America, hopefully you can be anything you want. You can hold views on anything, economic, political, social, so long as you don't uh, impair others' rights. And I think that's the spirit of it. As the years have gone by, I've always <laughs> sometimes added Justice Brandeis, Justice Frankfurter, Justice Ginsburg, because I think oftentimes we overlook the immigrant struggle and what it's brought to our government actors, uh, and in this case, the third branch of government. And so I, one of my favorite quotes is uh, Brandeis, uh, who says the, the most important office is that of citizen. And so, as I say, I've changed it and tweaked it over the years, but I try to keep it uh, as concise as I can because people are there to celebrate the immigrants, not the judge. Judge Brett, it seems that your speech is aimed both at the new citizens and also the fans and attendants here today. Is that yeah. by design? It is because when you're in court, and it's just, again, the same thing happens as Michael pointed out here that happens in court. You have, not only do you have the new citizens who are, of course, the people you're celebrating, but the new citizens have been working at their citizenship for a long time, and they have supporters and friends and relatives. And the courtroom is full of people who have been there waiting for this day. But many of them still don't appreciate until, I think, the emotion of the day when they become citizens and they stand and they, re they renounce their allegiance to a government of another land and their commitment in the oath to serve in the United States, be it military and non-military matters. And <clears throat> I think there's a genuine appreciation by natural-born citizens. Oh, I didn't know what people went through. And I think they also when you think about current events and what's going on in the country, now Iraqis, Iranians, Southeast Asians, um, the Bosnian War, all of the recent immigrant struggles that we know just the surface facts about, and you see what they've done, you can't, I always, I always tell Mike Messina, who's helped me, I said, you know, if you don't have a lump in your throat when you see the citizens, and when they wave their flags on the third base line, <laughs> I, I've seen it 12 years now, and I still think, wow, is this a great country or what? <laughs> yeah. you, you, you should stop and explain that yeah. uh, those who haven't been here, we the citizens line up between home plate and third base, uh, facing, facing the stands, uh, the uh, citizenship oath that they take, is uh, on the scoreboard as they take it, and each person's name and country is uh, on the ribbon electronic board in the outfield as well. So everybody knows uh, who the, uh, the all the fans know who the people are, what what country they're they're from, and uh, what oath they have to take. The only thing they don't really uh, know is how difficult uh, the journey has been to become a citizen. Scott, if I could just add one thing. I think people do not understand the particular significance of July 4th because, of course, the Declaration of Independence was uh, written 
they say, in part by Thomas Jefferson. And people, I don't think, understand that he said we have to declare independence, and then the declaration lists 27 particular gripes they had against King George. And one of them, I think it's important that citizens who don't know this look at the declaration sometime, and their particular complaint they had about immigration, these are people that wanted to form their own country. They said this about King George in the declaration. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for the naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriation of lands. So, you know, this is a celebration of that complaint that they had and the courage, and we know now that they were not perfect men, and they were men. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think understanding why immigration, it's been a tug and a pull. It's not the one-way story. We've reacted with anti-immigrant laws. We've encouraged immigration. It goes back and forth. The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, you know, it wasn't until 1965 that we you know, finally broke through with an egalitarian immigration act with President Johnson. But I just think it does have its origins in the Declaration and that all Americans, if we had more time <laughs> at this ceremony, we could discuss this. But it just triggers in my mind that we don't really understand the Declaration. Ms. Grant, you're right. The speech is tremendous. Uh, and if you don't have a lump in your throat, and if you don't get choked up, if you don't have a renewed appreciation of being a natural-born citizen, uh, I'm not sure what's wrong. But what's your, some of your favorite parts of the speech? What do you take away from the speech? Well, uh, the best part of the speech, I think, is when he says that, and I don't have it in front of me, but you have renounced your allegiance to your country, but not your love, your love of your country. And here you can practice any religion or no religion at all. You can, you can uh, basically all the options you have here that you didn't have and, and then saying, uh, embracing, embracing for us their, their, uh, their history and background. You've, you have brought us, you have brought us new ways of life here with your, with your customs and, and things. And he says it very eloquently with a, with a, a pace and a rhythm and a brevity that uh, each each one just uh, builds on the other. It gets up to the point where it's so the audience is so moved that I have to bring them back to baseball at some point. And so a couple of times I've looked at them and says, what, "Say, while it is true that you can uh, have your allegiance to any religion, you can have your religion allegiance to uh, anything or anything. You must have your allegiance to the Iowa Cubs, uh, just to try to bring it back." Uh, bring it back to baseball. Otherwise, we uh, nobody'd see the first inning because their eyes would be so teary. Judge, this has to be one of the the best things you do as a judge, not necessarily at the ballpark, but also in the courtroom, is to welcome and and get new citizens into the country. It is. It really is a privilege that uh, I have never taken for granted. By only one of my grand one of my grandparents is an immigrant. 
although all of my wife's grandparents were immigrants. And, you know, you can't be here on the South Side. I was, <laughs> I married up, as they say. And, you know, I always think of Sec Taylor Principal Park as being in kind of the center of Des Moines. The wonderful thing about coming to the ballpark is that you can hear different languages. You see people of color. Um, and so I think it's the appropriate place to celebrate the diversity of the United States and the welcoming that Iowa has always, had, not always, but has many times been to immigrants. And I think that the ceremony continually reminds citizens that we have to renew our commitment to this idea that except for Native Americans, everyone is an immigrant and we should appreciate that. Uh, to the, both of you, oh, go ahead. The, I think also that as you watch, as you watch these thirty or forty people come onto the field, and then as you watch them leave, it's dramatically different. As they leave, there's a spring in their step. They're waving. They're waving their flags. They're excited. The, the whole crowd is cheering for them. They, they, they actually get a standing ovation, uh, and uh, there's a, it's just. Uh, Tremendously exciting to watch, and I remember one year, it was about the third or fourth inning, and I was walking down the the uh, walkway down in the stands, and I recognized one of the uh, new citizens, and I think he was from Ecuador, and he was a big, husky, tall guy, and he had a 24-ounce can of beer as he was walking down. And he looked at me, and he recognized me, and he held up his he held up his beer, and he says. Am, am, held up his beard like a toast and says, "Am citizen now," and took a big, a big uh, uh, swig of it. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's just heartwarming, exciting, and and uh, terrific. And I can't think there's a be of a better place to do it. Yeah, you're right. Everybody smiles. There are big beaming smiles at, yeah. toward the end of that ceremony by everybody. And they walk up into the stands. They meet their families and friends that have been watching. And it's a, a giant celebration here at the ballpark. The other thing, the other thing we should point out is it's totally non-political. There is no uh, no politics allowed, uh, other than we put up a message from whoever the sitting president is at the time on the scoreboard. Uh, there, there are canned messages uh, welcoming, wel welcoming the new citizens, but we don't allow politicians to take advantage of it. Uh, we don't allow them on the field. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, both uh, now President Biden and, uh, and uh, candidate uh, Ben O'Rourke were in the stands and, and uh, explained that this is not a political this is not a political thing, and, and they sat there and enjoyed it the way everybody else did. In the whole history of it, I think only one politician tried to take advantage of it, and that was uh, Congressman Leonard Boswell. His staff had come to us and said he'd like to be on the field and help him celebrate, and we said, no, you can't do that. Uh, no politicians are allowed. This is, this is a ceremony for the, uh, for the new citizens. Not, it's not a political ceremony. And so then he, he was a friend of mine. He came and asked me if he could do it. And I said, no, Congressman, you can't do it. And so then the judge is getting ready to do it. And I look, and here's Congressman Boswell walking out onto the field. And so we had to kind of slow things down. I went over and grabbed him by the arm. I says, you know, Congressman, we just can't do this. Uh, and so I walked him off the field. And I don't know if he was embarrassed or what, but obviously a lot of people noticed it. But uh, it is totally non-political and will we'll remain that way. Judge, what are your, some of your memories of the, the first 12 years here at the ballpark? Um, I always 
like the part where Michael asks one of the new citizens to throw out the first ball because, you know, uh, they are kind of representative of the rest of them and the kind of feeling of participation that they have in the uh, in the entire ceremony. The other thing is, you know, the comments by natural-born citizens, Scott, that you mentioned, I get people who, you know, I don't know who come up to me and say, you know, this is throughout the year because, you know, I'm isolated, fortunately or unfortunately, in most of my work. <clears throat> and so to be a public figure, at least for the time being, and see approval, you know, reminds me of, you know, judges are unelected, and you, I should try to remember that, and I should remember it because it's kind of the consent of the governed. <laughs> One of our judges used to say, you know, we are unelected, but if you ever forget that you serve with the consent of the governed, we're not going to do very well. And so I think of it as a community celebration and acknowledgement that we can do better and uh, that immigrants continue to be an important part of of what we do and who we are as a country. And so it's really the highlight of the year for me. And uh, I, I mean, have so many memories, personal memories about people's comments about the ceremony. The, the other thing we didn't point out, uh, Scott, for those who've never been there is court is actually in session at the ballpark. Uh, uh, Mike Messina, who's, who, who works for the judge, uh, opens it by uh, announcing that there, this is a special session of the, uh, of the court for the Southern, uh, Federal Court for the Southern District of Iowa. Uh, all stand. Uh, uh, judge Pratt is in his robe. Uh, and it's a, uh, as, as informal as it is, it's formal. And he it has begins, to be that way. He, he, yes, Scott. And as Michael points out, Mike begins the ceremony by saying, all rise. Yeah. And people, I, I think, are kind of taken aback. But it does get their attention. And then at the end, he announces, uh, when I say uh, that's the end of the, uh, I'll pass out the citizenship certificates, Mike then says, all rise, and then he adjourns court court will be in recess because, you know, that's the way we do it at the district court. And I think passing out the certificates is really the highlight for me. And uh, what the new citizens say, you know, the people who are really responsible for this are the immigration people that work with you, Scott and Michael here at the ballpark, and do all the organization. I just show up and claim credit, which I'm fine with, but the behind-the-scenes work that immigration does they, they're in the press box announcing the names, and the, the uh, people, the new citizen appears on the scoreboard, which is an absolute thrill for them. <laughs> They've told me that. And then when you have the present president who also welcomes them, and I think I mentioned this before we went on air here, that I always like at the end people boo or applaud because someone doesn't like the president or uh, – whatever. And as Michael's pointed out to me, and the First Amendment says, that's great. You can come here at the ballpark. You can approve. You can disapprove. And uh, that, too, is a part of our celebration of the Fourth of July. Scott, how do they pick uh, who get uh, 
I mean, every year, all kinds of people become citizens here. And uh, I mean, in in Iowa, how do they pick the persons who uh, become citizens at the ballpark? I'm not sure exactly how that happens, but I do want to thank the immigration people and the court people that we work with months before the ceremony in getting this ready. Uh, they do a great job. I think it's who's next in line. Those candidates want to become citizens as quick as possible. So when a date opens up, even if it's July 4th, even if it's at the ballpark in Des Moines, they'll drive hours so they can become a citizen as soon as possible, especially in this era when the pandemic is still affecting some of the courtroom decisions. So they pick all that, they get us the names, and the judge mentioned the, the first pitches. They also pick the person who throws out the first pitch, and they've always picked a perfect person, either a man or a woman. Uh, we had a cricket player from Australia that threw out the first pitch, and then a couple of years ago, one of the, the players from the Des Moines Menace, the local soccer team, was there. So they somehow they know exactly. Did he try to kick? Did he try to kick the first pitch? Uh, he did not. We tempted to give him a soccer ball instead, but uh, he was happy. And and both those guys, and, and in fact, everybody has thrown a strike when, when they throw that first pitch. So uh, we get a lot of help from the, the courts and the immigration people behind the scenes before we even take the field, and they do all the work. You guys and myself, uh, we're on the field, but they've done all the work, and they yeah. they're, they do a great job. The other interesting thing is. The teams are not on the field when this happens, but if you look down, if you look out in the outfield at the door into the uh, clubhouses, uh, you'll see you'll see little groups of players standing there, standing there watching, uh, watching it happen. And, and uh, I know the manager has told me several times, the current manager, uh, PV has told me several times that it's really a, it's really a terrific uh, afternoon. It's also the only game of the year in which we allow the game to start late. We're getting ready for this year's ceremonies on Tuesday with 25 candidates from 15 countries. We'll be back in July, back on the field, and back before the game. How much are you guys looking forward to this? Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. You know, I mean, I love baseball, and I love, I love the 70-some games, home games we play every year. But I have certain favorites. This is absolutely the favorite, favorite uh, night of the year, and I hate to say it, but I really like the dog days, too. <laughs> Uh, I can't add anything to that. I always look forward to it. The holiday, my family comes from out of town. Some of my siblings have come, so it's always a great uh, celebration of the 4th of July and puts things in perspective for me when you realize how important uh, and how lucky I am to have this job. And the other thing you realize when you look up, when you're standing in the field and you look up and you see the families, uh, just uh, overcome with pride and joy uh, when a name is when a name is announced, uh, and uh, that's really uh, exciting and moving too. Before we wrap up this edition of Unwritten Rules, anything else either of you guys would like to add? Well, I've talked to colleagues at the district court. Uh, I'm probably not going to live forever, and I sure hope whatever happens with me that and and the ball club that the ceremony continues that we've established something that's a community resource it doesn't belong to me and uh, because I, I think it adds uh, immense value to <clears throat> the community and uh, i i just am you know i look back and I, i've talked to michael about this scott i like to think that i've done a good job at my quote-unquote day job <laughs> and 
But when I think, well, if the only thing I've done in this job is to ensure a continuing kind of community educational value, I'll take that. That's where the ceremony is in my kind of constellation of values. So. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'd like to thank our guests again, the Honorable Judge Robert Pratt and Iowa Cubs principal owner Michael Gartner. I'm Scott Saylor. Thank you for listening.